0: Hey everyone, John and Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, when competition gets cancelled,
1: elite
0: adaptation, and sweating out COVID, this is Optical Course. Let's go. Hey, Andrew, we had our first five-way. Yeah. We,
1: we, had we usually a... do three-ways. Yeah. And we've been very good at them. But five way is more challenging for many reasons. Why don't you explain quickly, quickly.
0: So it was a roundtable discussion <laughs> yeah. to get everybody's mind out of the gutter. Yeah. Come on, people. Um, yeah. Our first five way, uh, it was a Zoom call. Everybody was in their own space, including yeah. yourself. You were even um, up in, uh, in your home.
1: In couching. Because you told everyone I had COVID. Andrew. Yeah.
0: Well, I didn't exactly. <laughs> you um, did. I Instagram. said there was, there was a, a possible COVID scare, which is true. <laughs> You're, you're, you had a, a family member who had a possible contact, but luckily everybody was okay. I'm fine,
1: people, and so is he.
0: Yep. So, yeah, we had our first uh, roundtable with everyone live at the same time. It was really actually quite dynamic and engaging. I, I'm really happy with how the conversation went, it, it, all thanks to our three incredible guests. And, yeah, we, we were talking about athletics in 2020, and obviously everything is different in 2020. We did talk about um personal fitness and how to stay fit when you can't go to a gym for, for a large period of time. Um, we talked about that. We talked about how professional sports has been uh, changed and, and how some things have gone well. Some things have gone quite poorly. And I will say, and this is an important thing. This was recorded before uh, the pro athletes were really quite in the forefront in, in the news for coming to coming forward to stand up for social justice and, uh, and actually like not being willing to play in, in support of the Black Lives Matter movement and, um, and what's happening largely in the United States, but also, you know, racism is a, a pandemic. So, um, it, yeah, we didn't talk about that, but I just thought it was important to state yeah, for sure, because man. when people are listening to this, they'll, they'll be aware of, of what happened.
1: Yeah, no, it was an amazing discussion. And we brought three guests back. So these are three elite athletes. Um, we got Sarah Gross, we got Adam Creek, and we got Simon Young. Episodes yep. 4, 27, and 36. 4, 27, 36. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes because you won't remember 4, 27,
0: 36. <laughs> They're your lucky numbers for the I day. I love numbers. <laughs> um, you do. You're a numbers guy. Um, yeah. yeah. So Sarah Gross, who was number 27. She was. Um, she's the founder of Live Feisty Media. She yeah. has five <laughs> podcasts now. Just finished <laughs> launching her fifth podcast Make sure you check that out. She's a
1: media conglomerate. Basically. And yeah, I don't ever say that.
0: Yeah, and she's also an Ironman triathlon champion.
1: Yeah, which is pretty good. And has a PhD. Yeah. She's just, what can't she do? She's a go-getter. Amazing.
0: Um, also, Adam Creek, he is an author. He's got an amazing book. Yep. Responsibility. Responsibility. I think that's the one. That's it. Um, it it's a great read. Highly recommended. He's also a coach. And he, you know... Oh, yeah, he won note, an Olympic medal. Too, yeah, really. he won an Olympic gold medal. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it, I love it was, how we ended with that one.
0: Yeah, it, pretty pretty impressive crowd in the in the group today. Um, and then we had Simon Young, who yeah. was on episode number four, one of yeah. our first ever, which we definitely appreciate. We were just getting going; we were so young and naive.
1: Oh, we were. We yeah, we were young. Well done. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's the owner of Monkey Bar Gym, Vancouver Island, an incredibly fit guy, probably the fittest guy in the room, and he's you know in a room with Olympic gold medalists and Ironman triathletes. So it's pretty impressive for Simon.
1: It is. In fact, he just uh, had a PR for his, um, his uh, what is that called when you lift the weights?
0: <laughs> yeah. Burpees, um, squats, <laughs> lunges,
1: <laughs> Man, push-ups. Yeah, he, he just had a PR. Yeah, one of those. He's done all those. But uh, Squat it's, it's the one where you just like bend down and just stand straight up. Deadlifts. Yeah, deadlift. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, folks. I, don't, I do work out, but I don't weightlift. So anyway, deadlift. He just set a PR, um, four twenty-five, which which is amazing. And that yes. sounds like a lot because
0: it you know, does. It, is that a lot? It sounds like more than you and I could do together.
1: Me and you, like, th- let's talk about us for a second. Uh, get the tension away from these <laughs> elite athletes. Speaking <laughs> of elite athletes, let's talk about Andrew and John's regimes. Yeah, we typically don't do a lot of weightlifting. No, actually, right? Like, I do none. Yeah, like, I work out most days, but never weightlift.
0: Yeah, I've got like a medium-sized kettlebell and some small dumbbells, but I I, I am a big proponent. Um, there's, there's a lot of ways to get exercise, and the most important thing is that you do get some and that, that it works for you. But that you I, sweat. That's yeah. the biggest thing. Yeah, we talked yeah. about sweat a lot in this episode. Yeah. Um, as you might imagine for a fivesome. There's um, <laughs> a lot of sweat, baby. <laughs> a lot of red faces. Yeah. And, yeah, the most important thing to get back on track, it, I think, is to get a regime that is repeatable. Yes. Um, and for me, it's doing it at home and with very limited uh, actual weight mm-hmm. that i'm throwing around because we're not super young men as hard to believe no, as that not. might seem no um so it's important that uh that we're not putting a ton of strain on our joints
1: well and believe me folks you can get a hell of a workout through body weight you know body weight is crazy what you can do through all kinds of yoga through cardio through you know um rapid you know, plyo movements in your garage—it's—it's it's crazy. There's really no excuse not to continue to sweat. Is yeah. kind of where I'm going with this.
0: Yeah, and it's good. We both found a way. You do it in the morning. I change mine to the evening. Find out what works for Find you. Find the time. Play that around. Works for you. We have yeah. we have long lives, so we have the ability to to try new things.
1: But we also talked with these uh, fine elite athletes about how competition has been affected because it's that's obviously been a huge thing. For sure, And so that, that was another sort of fascinating path that we went down.
0: Yeah, so it's a wide-ranging conversation. It, is, yeah. uh, it, it was highly enjoyable. A lot of energy in the room. Not a surprise because no. we were talking to a few powerhouses. Oh, yeah. And um, it was super fun. So I hope you enjoy it. And uh, giddy up. Get your sweat on. All right. So I want to start just by saying thank you very much for making some time today. We've done a few of these roundtable editions, but this is the first one in which we've all been in the room at the same time. So we we've got five people on obstacle course and it they're uh three of them are quite highly decorated. (laughs) And then there's John and I, Simon, Sarah and Adam, thanks so much for being here today. The first question, so we'll we'll kinda we've got a lot to cover athletics in 2020 is a huge topic, but um we're gonna do our best to kind of navigate this and and have a a nice well-rounded conversation. But The first question I will have um, is just how does organized sport fit in a world where we're not really meant to gather? Um, And I'll throw this one out to Adam first off. Adam, uh, you've been in this realm a lot. You were even due to be in Tokyo to cover the the Olympics this year, and and clearly that didn't happen. Um, So what's your take on that?
2: Well, this isn't something we, as a human species, haven't dealt with before. Uh, the Olympic Games, you know, from my, uh, you know, the angle that I'm coming from, have been canceled before because of world wars, uh, because of uh, different political boycotts. So it's it's a pause, and I think we will return to normal, and we'll get back to you know uh, a space where we are doing the things we know that we that we love to do and we'll have rethought our involvement in you know in different ways and so I think there will be innovations and improvements and changes that will happen uh, because of this shutdown and this slowdown so it you know it's definitely a change and it's it's difficult you know competition you know to be a competitor lifelong is to have someone beside you that pushes you to go a little bit harder and that that social edge that you get from training is not available so that that is something that people will miss but we'll be back again totally
3: yeah i think as well it's kind of like underlined what sport means to us as a culture in a way like we've been forced to kind of face you know, um, if you had to stop going to the gym that you went to for a long time, you had to face, like, perhaps a mental health issue or make decisions about your goals. Um, I think also, like, sport is, like, it's entertainment. As Adam said, it's, it's social. And then, then, of course, the physical fitness activity that we all participate in. So, like, I found a lot of people around me in the triathlon space actually suddenly realizing how we're motivated, right? Mm-hmm. And some people are motivated by those external goals of, like, whether it's an Olympic gold medal or finishing an Ironman or whatever. Um, and then some people are motivated just by the day-to-day getting out and doing something. And those people fared a lot better, basically. Um, and then I, I mean, I'm not someone who watches a lot of pro sports on TV, but um, I'm, an, I'm imagining that a lot of folks also lost their, their entertainment and had to find a replacement for that as well.
1: Well, I remember, Simon, you saying to me early on in March, it's like, dude, you just got to get out and move. Because I remember I was feeling it. I knew Andrew was feeling it. And you're just like, you just have to move every day. And, and I, I think actually sweat every day is, is kind of what you said. And absolute game changer. And it's so true. So, so maybe you can talk a little bit about that, Simon, the importance of just moving every day, even when there's constrictions on us.
4: Totally. <clears throat> and Well, as, as the others have said, you know, that mental aspect, that's the huge part of it. And so as human beings, we thrive on physicality. And we thrive on our environment. So get outside and move in nature. And it's incredible how it lifts your mood. It lifts your spirits. Um, You know, so many folks who are living under restrictions, and unfortunately in other countries, you know, the restrictions vary. You know, we're seeing what, what amounts to PTSD with a lot of folks. You know, they're so constrained. They can't move. They can't express themselves. And so like i said said to you john you know just get out get out get moving sweat you change your your state you change how you feel about yourself and the world around you also if you're spending a lot of time with people that you tend not to spend a lot of time with yeah. actually distance can be a good <laughs> thing as well yeah <laughs> learn from submariners okay so <laughs> distance is great surely you is what you want yeah. Uh, you know, it. and and for athletes as well, athletes, you know, of having of having that goal, like Sarah said, of, of what motivates you as an athlete, or as Adams has spoken about, you know, have, performing to a, a time or, or a date, because everything's back scheduled for athletes. Whether you're you're a professional, semi-professional, recreational, there's always a date to work towards. There's always something as a as a goal, but. In amongst all what's going has been going on for the last few months that goal has been taken away from people and you can feel disempowered. So one of the things that I was trying to get across to you was re-empower yourself take control over it go and do something for yourself and that means move every day.
0: yeah Adam uh, I'm sure you've still have close relationships with a lot of athletes that were training for for the these games um, and, and Sarah as well uh, in terms of triathlon from uh, that highly competitive mindset how how might you have been affected or, or how do you know that others have been affected by by the inability to to compete when competition is such a huge part of, of the life
2: well, what what I noticed in the athletes training for 2020 was initially there is a sigh of relief because oh I don't have to do that, and I know it was going to be very stressful and hard, and now I can put it off. Right. And then there were a couple weeks off where like, they're sending me pictures where they're biking with a case of beer on the handlebars <laughs> of their bike. And they're like, yeah, I'm biking up the mountain and drinking beers. I can, I can just enjoy my life for a little bit. And then, then you go through the time. Then there's some soul-searching because you thought there's a lot of athletes with the Olympics as their deadline where they say – 2020 is done. Then I'm going to take a big exhale. Then I'm moving on with my life. I'm, you know, I'm graduating from sport to this life after high performance sport, I, the life after, uh, you know, pro sport. And so there, you know, there's some people who, and I know one athlete in particular from Britain who said, I can't wait that much longer. I'm actually. Um, I'm stopping, I need to move on with my life. I'm excited for my life after sport I'm moving on, but most simply just reset and said okay now i've yeah you know, and athletes are good at this they're they're good at just grinding through and now that the target has been reset, now we're training for 2021 and there's still an element of uncertainty, but life is uncertain and uh, they've adapted relatively you know fluidly. And so if you have know, to go to your initial question how might have i reacted i probably would have done something quite similar to uh and you know and stuck with it and just you know headed you know first had relief second had a few peers <laughs> third redialed into what's the new schedule and then fourth okay let's dial into training and this is the plan and now we're going for this date and now that i have more time it's more time for me to get stronger to get fitter to uh, make sure that i'm more prepared uh, yeah. than everyone else and if i can deal with this change more effectively than than the germans or the british or the americans then uh, then i'm going to end up ahead
0: yeah just just beer is not absinthe right adam that's uh that's... yeah
2: yeah you <laughs> <laughs> that's that's part still, of adam's story clear from the absinthe yes <laughs> yeah
0: you'll have to t- tune back to his episode for for that full one um Sarah, anything to add there?
3: yeah, it's interesting that Adam brought up a friend of his who um, who retired because I also had a couple of friends who quickly just went mm, I don't have another year in me um and then I also saw another group of people who perhaps were injured um, or were struggling and didn't didn't think they couldn't have qualified for twenty twenty and suddenly had this new lease on life because it became possible again to make the team um mm. and then and then what the thing I found the most interesting was the elite athletes I know pivoted very, very quickly into whatever the next thing was. So if they were going to go for 2021, 20, they boom, went back to base training, um, figured out what the next steps were very quickly or, or retired because <laughs> that's their next step. Um, but then a lot of the amateur athletes I know struggled really hard or had like a, there was a sliding scale there, right? Um, so sort they of struggled to figure out like, well, what do I do without a triathlon on the table? I don't like some people, it was as much as I don't know who I am um, without a race. And so there was, there's a lot of um, like a lot of content creators in triathlon have been talking about this. Uh, and also, um, yeah, I guess it's, I, I still see folks like now that there's a couple races back on the calendar, like in Florida, for example, um, there's, there's gonna be a race yeah. in Florida. <laughs> Sponsored um, by COVID. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and people are going to go and do it. And, and those are the people like the people who struggle the hardest with like, what's my identity? Who I am? Who am I? If I'm not a triathlete are like flocking a Florida in a few months and the rest of us are just like, Oh man, what are you doing?
1: Yeah. So- you know, I, I think you both um, I think there's both connects to just a human psychology component, uh, especially for, for any, anyone listening, just the whole idea of there is that initial relief with, oh, I don't have to do something I often dread, which is really push my body, you know. And I think even some people um, maybe even felt that like, oh, you know, my local gym's closed down. Oh, I guess I don't have to exercise anymore, you know. But as we all know, within like 48 hours for me, it's just like, oh, my God. Like even Angie's just like, just go. I don't care if you just go play with the neighborhood kids. Just go sweat somewhere (laughs) because you're a different person. And so even though you might have that relief, it's just like we all have to kind of get back to a new normal quickly because our, our bodies and minds literally depend on it, we de- depend on our movement. And, and it, maybe it's easier for, for the, you know, the professionals or the, and the Olympians who are so used to a structure, they just go onto a new structure. But for the rest of us, um, so we, we need to be reminded of the importance of having a structure.
3: Well, and I think like an elite athlete doesn't just stop right they just do it differently right so you don't have to necessarily be doing hard intervals preparing to race you can suddenly go back to something a training that might be a bit more relaxed um so which is different because you're still getting that sweat like as you call it um versus uh versus someone who's just going to the gym suddenly close and then just they don't show up and they're actually not moving at all Um, which can which can descend as you say like into some darkness pretty quickly
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, so I, it's, it's a really interesting point that that's being brought up here in terms of the mindset and, and different mindsets, uh, different reactions. And, and really, um, if we look at a broader scale outside of athletics, people's responses to the pandemic have been uh, naturally all over the board. So I'm wondering if, if we can think about that elite athlete mindset, like what is it? How do they... Um, control that and are able to make the switch to to still being productive and not um, and working towards that goal and and pivoting rather than just uh, feeling defeated. I, I mean it, th- this is kind of the whole nucleus of obstacle course as a whole but but also um, people are dealing with this in business or or in their personal lives with uh, with grandparents or parents or children who might be vulnerable so a- any ideas on How those high performers have made that switch or are able to make that switch um, and and how people who aren't training for an Olympic gold medal uh, might be able to utilize that. And and Simon, let's start with you on this one.
4: Yeah. Um, So with, you know, recreational athletes, which is what I deal with most of the time. So with the recreational athletes, um, one of the most successful switches is that switch of mindset of understanding I don't feel as good as I did. I'm not, I'm not as content. I'm not as happy in myself. I'm not as motivated in myself. And understand, and basically grasping that principle of needing to move. And then uh, taking, taking rules that we use in training, which also apply to life. So there's three basic rules that if you apply it to training or life, it's incredible how successful you are. Show up. Just show up. Show up for life. Show up for training. Even if it sucks and just show up because it's incredible what's going to happen, there's going to be opportunity. Second rule is do the work. It might suck, do the work. And finally, ask questions. Okay, so it's a quality. So in training, that's how am I doing? How am I progressing? Is my mood improved? If it's in the workplace, it's am I productive? So you you want to use those things. Training is life and life is training, physical training and life that are interrelated. Show up, do the work, ask questions. Awesome. And if you don't do those three, it's incredible how quickly the quality of your life degrades. Yeah. Love that.
0: Uh, Sarah, anything to to add to that?
3: Well, I was thinking, as you were asking the question, Andrew, I was thinking about how with, with Olympians or elite athletes, you're literally those are people who have chosen to take on the weight of their entire country and go represent them or are yeah. trying to be the best in the world at something right so like there's a self selecting group there <laughs> a little bit in terms <laughs> of being already like highly motivated and um i don't know and like just getting up and just the things that the things that simon just outlined like th- those things i think all come super naturally to an elite athlete um, okay. and sometimes it can be hard to teach or sometimes i've found with coaching to find something else in someone's life that they feel passionate about and then help them understand like to apply the same those same methodologies to how they're showing up for sport like because you can't like at, i do crossfit now <laughs> um <laughs> and as we talked about before the show but you can't um like i show up to I'm, and i'm 44 years old right i show up to crossfit like one day i'll be like the top of the board right and the next day i'll literally be last Right. Um, and that's right. just how it goes. And that has a whole bunch of factors going into it. And that's how training was as a triathlete as well for me. Um, so accepting that and just showing up is really important.
4: Totally. When you look at training, if you, if you, you know, and I agree totally. Some days it's great and some days it's not. And accepting that tra- in training, one third of your workouts are going to suck. One third, you- which means that two thirds are going to be great. So, you know, one third, you might, you might not be as as great an athlete as you thought you, you were or expect yourself to be, but there's so many factors, you know, the, the stress levels, the recovery, all the things you bring into the training space. And when I say a training space, it can be in your own backyard. It can be, you know, wherever's safe and comfortable for you. There's so many factors, but it's just, Sarah, you know, it's that for you, it's got to be the thing of, but you keep coming back because of the benefits, whether you're at the bottom of the board or top of the board.
3: I suppose so, yeah. I'd actually be I'd I'd like to hear what Adam has to say about this, but I, I definitely two thirds of my workouts are not great. I I'm, I'm more like the reverse. It's like one third and two thirds.
4: But there's at least a third that are great.
0: <laughs> Adam, let's hear your take.
2: Well, I think we need to differentiate between a pro athlete and a citizen athlete, and I think most of the people listening to this are citizen athletes and what you can learn from a pro athlete is is limited because a pro athlete lives in a bit of a um, a rule limited petri dish where it's really easy to focus and you have a massive system set up around you. You have a coach who's dedicated to you full-time, you have medical staff who are dedicated to you full-time, you have administrators who are looking to remove boundaries and barriers so that you can push the limits of your mind and body. And you have workouts that are scheduled for you. You have, you have trainers that are coming and they're looking after you. So you're in a system that is truly caring for you and wants you to thrive. And it, you know, it inspires your ego and it's, it's all about you and your training. So you, you know, as a professional athlete, it's really easy to stay focused and to keep, keep moving forward. But then when we move out to become a citizen athlete where we have husbands and wives and jobs and lives and bills and, you know, aging parents and like real life issues, you know, as when I was an athlete, I'd push all of that aside. Because, you know, train for the Olympics. This is the thing. I got to have the focus, but uh, now it's, it's a game of, of figuring out what's, what's more valuable to me and there will be there'll be days where I don't work out simply because my wife needs me. She's sick and my kids need me because they're young. And, you know, my father-in-law has Parkinson's disease. So I need to help go fix his gutters. Right. (laughs) And so it's, you got to make these, these choices. And so I think that I really love what Simon said, show up, do the work, ask questions. And uh, the and I know in my life as a, you know, as a post athlete, what the one thing that I've done is, is try to create an environment that encourages exercise in an environment that encourages sweat and activity. So a number of things I've done is one, I built a sauna so I can sit there and I can stretch and I can sweat. So it's nice. easy to sweat. Even if I'm fried at the end of the day, crank it up, sweat. I built a muscle garden in my backyard. So, you know, Where you go to make your muscles grow, yeah, yeah. Things like lumberjack lifts and chin up bars and kegs. It's like CrossFit type stuff. Yeah. But and then I have a group that I that I meet up with once once a week at least to where where it keeps fitness ticking over. Hmm. And then the last thing is a goal, right? Goals have shifted. And uh I know one thing personally I've done I've I'm training to do the Murph. So I want to do be able to do the Murph from start to finish. You know, mile run, you know, hundred chin-ups, two hundred push-ups, three hundred squats, mile run.
3: And with the vest? With the
2: vest. With the vest, yeah. With a forty pound vest. So that's that's the goal. And I am not there. <laughs>
1: I I love how all the elite athletes knew what the Murph was and the, (laughs) and the citizen athletes were like Googling it as we were going along. Okay. Murph. What is that? (laughs) That that sounds awful, but, but intriguing.
2: (laughs)
3: 40 pound vest is quite impressive actually. Uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Be huge.
2: How many chin-ups with a 40 pound vest? 100 chin-ups Two. so you run one mile as fast as you can or at pace and then you do a various mix of so you can do like five chin-ups, ten push-ups, fifteen squats, and then rotate through that. And you end up with a tally of one hundred chin-ups, two hundred push-ups, three hundred squats. Okay. And, so you're not doing one hundred
1: chin-ups in a row. Okay.
2: <laughs> you can. Yeah. Wow. You can and sometimes when they have competitions, they just they'll do yeah, they'll do chin-ups or they'll do kipping chin-ups and yeah. So, so what you're saying, Adam, is you haven't exactly
0: let yourself go.
2: <laughs> well, I've. <laughs> we should. <laughs> I'm not saying I can do the Murph, right? I've, <laughs> it's my goal, <laughs> and it's, it'll probably take me months and months to actually get there. And uh, I can, I might be able to do, I think like 40. I can get up to like 40 chin-ups, and then so 80 push-ups. Um, Hundred and twenty squats. That's where I'm at right now. Oh. Before I'm, uh, I'm, I'm tired. Simon,
1: I feel like I feel like you could do the Murph right now. In fact, why don't you just do it right now for us? <laughs> I'll just crack on. I've got a we'll pull bar right next to me. I'll just get
2: yeah, going. Yeah, you've got forty-five <laughs> minutes, Simon. Ready? Go. No.
1: <laughs> and his voice doesn't even change either.
0: Just
2: he's yeah. still
1: talking as he's yeah, doing, doing it. away. Yeah.
0: <laughs> This is supposed to be relatable, everybody. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's talk to those
4: citizen athletes now. Yeah,
0: Um, Um, yeah. it is
4: relatable if you if you take go back to Adams' comment. Okay, he picked a goal and he's working towards it. No, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. he's been he's been ingenious. He's created ways to do things that keep him healthful. Mm -hmm. He's not relied upon, you know, um, a a structure that maybe he may have had in the past. And that's, that's really important, yeah. you know, and kudos to you for doing that.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I go ahead, Adam.
2: And I just I want to go into the, the, the structure creating thing, Simon, too, because this is one thing I've, I've done some work with the, the Men's Health Foundation in Canada, the Canadians Health Foundation. They found that there's two points in people's lives when fitness really falls off. And the first one is when you first start to have kids. And the second one is when you retire. Mm-hmm. And so the the big issue, the main reason why I built this you know home gym was because of kids. And right beside my home gym is a playground, so I can go out and push the kids on the swings. And we're playing. It's like just a second, kids. Daddy's got to do some lifts, <laughs> and then <laughs> you go do some lifts, right? And then come back, then play with the kids, and, and it's and to a certain extent, it's a way to integrate that into. Into the lifestyle, but also a model for the children. And and I did. And and again, when you don't have a gym, you often we have these spaces or these environments that trigger healthy behaviors. And when we're locked down because of things like COVID or we're experiencing change in our lives, it takes a while simply to set up the systems to trigger us into action. Um, And that can almost Mm -hmm. be more effort than actually. Doing the work itself,
1: yeah, for sure. Love it. it's so funny, Adam. When you said you went to the playground, I was just picturing you pushing the kids on the swing as hard as you could for a workout, <laughs> and they're just whoa, whoa, daddy! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going
0: to do that. Awesome. Well, I I do have another question that is, I think, right in this same realm um, and is totally relatable, and it's something we've we've already talked a little bit, and, and that's um, mental health. Um, for for some, including myself, um, physical fitness and, and just getting a sweat on or whatever it is, um, throwing kids around a swing set, whatever, um, has <laughs> has been a great way, like and, and a good enough way to keep a, a positive, strong mindset going. Um, but since COVID, I've noticed that even that, even just getting some good exercise, sometimes isn't enough, just because of all of the outside pressures that are going on and and my business has been super affected and, and we don't need to talk about that right now, but, um, there's more triggers than there really ever has been. So I, I wanted to throw that out and, and see if, if anyone relates to that, um, if, uh, if physical fitness was enough and, and if it still is, um, or, or how that, uh, how that lands for any of you. So, um, Sarah, why don't, why don't you, you've brought up the topic of mental health, um, on, on previous conversations. Um, and I know you talk about it on your podcasts as well.
3: Yeah. yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I um, I feel like mental health has been a for- forgotten part of this conversation w- around COVID, right? Es- especially publicly. Like I know that people in pockets will talk about mental health, of course, um, but publicly in terms of the way that COVID has affected and-, and different people in different ways in different communities, depending how much you have to stay inside. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, I think definitely we've seen like reactions across the board um, in terms of the mental health factors Um, and I feel very lucky myself living in BC right now because after like we were inside for about two months um, and then my gym opened again and I was I was just starting to get to that place where I was starting to struggle. Like you just said, Andrew, like, um, I was doing something every day and I had an adapted routine and I was doing more running. Um, and then, and then I started to think I need something else. Like I need a different goal or I need something, um, something else to go after. Um, and then the gym reopened and so everything was fine again. Um, but I think then there was a second wave and now I'm just talking about observations I've seen in triathlon and endurance sport. But I think a lot of people in in reality do um, get outside in the same ways we do in triathlon um, <clears throat> took on like long trail running goals or um, the biking industry is just booming right now oh because my people, gosh. Yeah. people started buying bikes. Like try to buy some bike equipment right now. You it's just, impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that was like the, the shift to like, longer goals helped folks mentally um, quite a lot. And then um, to, like, to punt this back to you, Andrew, you, I think you started a meditation thing. Yeah. Um, that's something that I also um, started doing sort of just before you were, were announcing that. So um, I thought that was really interesting um, that I thought like just that, uh, I don't know, just that piece about having um, space, like creating space for sitting with yourself or to focus on something in particular, um, really helped to balance out like that Help balance the mental piece with the physical piece um, yeah. as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And just to, to mm-hmm. refer to what, what you're mentioning there, Sarah, on our obstacle course community, uh, Facebook group, we, we, we did a 30 day meditation challenge, which we're currently in the middle of and, and we'll probably do more of those or, or similar things because yeah, personally, the, the, mental health piece wasn't going super well for me um just not in terms of like huge depression swing or anything like that but it, it i wasn't at my peak from a mental standpoint um he
1: gets super moody just, yeah. so, just so moody
0: <laughs> yeah john john's probably suffered more than i have um <laughs> i'm joking <laughs> i know um but yeah it, the the meditation piece has has been a, a huge one and it, it was a, formerly a part of the routine that had kind of slipped away and and It has been a a game changer for sure. So thanks for bringing that
3: up. And like, sorry, if I can just add one more thing. I um, one of the things we did right when COVID started was we actually launched a triathlon team, which is weird because there's there's too many because there's no races, (laughs) and then we started a team. um, (laughs) And for a long time, people said because we have a media company, right? And they said, you should start a team. It would be great. You should have a team. And I'm like, no, no, there's too many triathlon teams. I, I don't want that. And then um, sort of the reason behind our team, like we use the, we use the hashtag stay feisty as, yeah. as part of our team thing. Yeah, so that like we could bring people together and we brought in the members. And interestingly, well, first of all, we wanted to give them the community and connection piece, which relates back to the mental health thing that we were talking about. But also when we asked them what they wanted their goals to be, They wanted to fundraise and they wanted to like figure out ways that collectively we could help communities. And they, it was, their goals were nothing to do with sport, even though we were coming together with triathlon or like related Mm. to sport, but, um, but that they wanted to connect in a new way, a different way online with their people who they're now not seeing at races. um, And then, and then do some, do some good in the world. So that was really interesting to me um, that that was the direction that they chose
1: I love that. Cause people just need to connect somehow. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what that showed. Simon, I had a question for you because you were affected in so many different ways through this. You're the owner of a gym that experienced a COVID closure. Um, so that threw off all that. So you had literally probably hundreds of people that were depending on you to, you know, stay, you know, stay fit and stay engaged. And, and then they were kind of without a gym and then you were dealing with that personally. And, and in your own life, how did you manage that entire challenge? Um, it, and maybe you can kind of share
4: sort of the, the toughest part and how you how you found a way through. Mm, interesting. Um, the toughest part was feeling disempowered at the beginning. So wanting to do the best by the people who rely on us as, as a gym um, and feeling every time we've been planning for this since January. Okay. So upfront. So in January, we encouraged members to buy equipment and we did a group buy of kettlebells because we, we kind of knew this was coming. So as a business, we started changing our business model from January outwards. So by the time that most fitnessy type businesses like other gyms were shutting down, we were already in the throes of our plan for for resilience so it helped me as a as a person because i had a gradual move into it and it helps a lot of our members because even though we didn't fully disclose these were the reasons why we actually changed the way we were training our folks so we had more we had more variability we had more so basically we went to get strong twice a week sweat twice a week and recover twice a week because we we anticipated stress levels are going to be higher. It's going to be so much harder. So putting more focus on recovery and resilience that way. So for for me as a as a business owner, it I had a gradual lead in. However, once the restrictions really clamped down, then it, every day was a change. Every day was a new a new day and a new change. Just like for everyone else, I had to make a mental shift. To looking at each day being a challenge, a challenge, and a test, and a fun thing to do. Oh, I've woken up this morning, and we can no longer do this. Great! What can I do? How can I think of a different alternative? So, for mm. example, you know, if we go from, um, I said about our people buying equipment from us, and so we we went moved over to a model where we had daily workouts sent out to our folks every day, and they were equipment based. And we did that right from sort of February onwards. And then once we get to, to, to March and the gym closes, we then realized that half of our folks haven't got equipment. So then you have to think, okay, very quickly, let's find stuff that has no equipment. Then it's that thing of, can we get folks to do Zoom training together? Does that help empower them? Can we have Zoom meetings? Can we, So very quickly, as a business, we changed. And it helped me keep that focus it helped me mentally be up as opposed to wallowing in oh everything's gonna go um there was a point where it looked like we were we were probably going to lose the business mm-hmm. and i put a video out yeah. being honest with everybody and yeah, saying you, were- you know and, I, and the longest to shoot video in the world with like seven takes right you know and but and just being honest with everybody, and saying, "Look, I'm going to put myself out there. You can see that I'm under a lot of stress, but I'm doing my best." By I understand where you're at, so you know what? Let's just plug along together and help each other out. And I was just, I don't know. And from that point, finally, once I'd done that, it was, it was, it was great. People responded and rallied around. They supported me. They supported each other. And that's that was the change, I think.
0: Yeah, and that's it. A- a, a really telling point about vulnerability when when you put that out there and and the response you got that's pretty awesome.
4: Because as a coach, if I'm honest, the coaching a lot of the time is just bravado, okay, and talk and you and you don't show people what you really like, okay, because you're focusing on your athlete, you're not focusing on you. It's not about the coach, mm-hmm. but some, but for me, it was that thing of okay, I have to be honest, and this is where I'm at, and. Letting everybody be honest and say, you know what, I'm I'm, I'm in a sticky place. What can we do to help each other out? And like Adam said, having that training partner alongside you, the person alongside you who pushes you to move you forwards. In this instance, you know, for us and for people that I associate with, those people moved us forward and motivated us. They moved up our our mood. They, They helped keep each other accountable. And that's really empowering. And that's an incredible thing. You get to see the best of people,
0: for sure. Um, I wanted to just swing this over to Adam before we move on here. Um, and anything to add on, on the the mental health connection with with uh, with exercise and, and how you might have been personally impacted, or, or um, you might have seen others be be impacted similarly.
2: Well, I, I wanted to make a, a comment uh, that Sarah is making, how her triathlon team decided to get together and their challenge wasn't physical, it was to help other people. And it reminded me of uh, a psychologist from decades ago, Carl Menninger, and one of his key quotes that he made is, a good way to cure depression is to get out of the way of yourself and to think of other people and i think that that's such a good thing uh, to keep in mind and whenever i'm i start to feeling down feeling down and i ask myself that question am i just being self absorbed am i being self obsessed do i need to really reach out and start to really focus on other people and i know with my background as an athlete you know being self absorbed was a strategic advantage uh, when uh when i was younger and right. you know, post sport it's less of a strategic <laughs> advantage <laughs> <laughs> so and so i i don't know when you know, when you were talking about you know depression and how uh you know physicality helps depression uh i just started writing down different notes of things that i find have worked me certainly sweat works I, I love the sauna but even from a mindset of self-compassion and you know reminding myself that hey look i am doing the best that i can do and i like uh, you know sometimes i like playing different um you know positive media well while, while i'm trained like while i'm running or walking or, or moving and because i find often you know, especially remember when COVID first broke. You're you're following the news. You're figuring out what's, where's all of the, uh, you know, the government assistance coming from. What's happening? Where, where's uh, what's happening in the future? And it puts you in this this negative headspace. You know, sure. Donald Trump, Justin Trudeau, we charity, blah 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 blah. Coronavirus, blah 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 blah. blah right? And it's all just chatter, 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 chatter. And so yeah. then I try to find some i've been big into earl nightingale i got his collected works from yeah. and so just play that on repeat So positive things another thing from physical training uh supplements i find when i when i do hit a depressive low um inositol i'll start supplementing with inositol branch chain amino acids and creatine and mm-hmm. i find usually if i'm like if i'm getting low and i'm just feeling off and I have this conversations with my wife's too she'll be like uh have you like are you taking an acetol do you need to go on another you know amino acid uh, you know supplementation cycle and usually that just that will kick me out of it um, mm-hmm. so it just gives my body and my brain uh, what it what it needs That's also those are those are tools that I use and again usually when you're taking an inositol and branched chain amino acids you're also doing that in, in conjunction with certain exercise gives you a little bit of extra boost to push a little harder and uh, the body and the brain and the spirit all respond awesome that's great stuff
3: actually I was um thanks for that Adam I was um, thinking about in terms of tools right I um coping strategies when I first retired from sport, I played around a little bit with how little I could do and how I would feel and sort of kept track of it, you mm. know, to see like how how much exercise do I need to do to feel normal human? How much do I need to feel good? And that kind of thing. Um, and I did find that like I could get away with a pretty low level. Luckily, I have some friends who, who weren't able to do that um, and who needed to do a lot more. So I felt kind of lucky in that way because I could focus my time on something else. But um, that when I started adding in more, int- like a little bit of intensity, um, that's what would really do it. Um, even just like running surges or lifting heavy things like that would would really help with them, with the mental health piece or just how I felt day to day.
0: Cool. Thanks for adding that in, Sarah. Yeah. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit here and and flip over to the the crazy world right now of professional sports. And um, we're, we're recording this in the end of August, um, but it, by the time it comes out, things could have changed a fair amount. But for those of you listening and, and those of us here in this conversation, um, some of us are big into professional sports. Some of us couldn't really care less what other people do in a, in a hockey arena. Um, but it, it's been a, a bit of a, a marvel to behold um, how different leagues have approached this uh how for example major league baseball for lack of a better word has been a shit show since starting back up with half their teams it seems like have have been um suffered outbreaks and and their schedule has been completely messed up nhl has done fairly well up to this point um it's uh but the the question is really like what is the role what what role should professional sports be playing right now is does it make sense for them to be providing us with entertainment that that maybe we're lacking but at at what cost when it's actually um leading to more outbreaks potentially and putting people further at at serious risk of of health issues um so uh i wanted to kind of just just start the conversation there um Adam, maybe maybe I'll throw it over to you. I, I'm sure John and I, because we're we talk about sports a lot on on our own time, um, but not so much on the podcast. So we probably have some things to add in here as well. But Adam, do you want to just uh, start us off?
2: I'll, I'll start off by saying that I was one of the many people who dove into the Last Dance and revisited the Chicago oh. Bulls from the 1990s, and Me my too. heart. Got swole, It got broken, and wow! I was really transfixed by the different athletic personalities that uh, you know that were part of that team environment. And so that was that was very entertaining. It was very inspiring. It was it was really great. Um, it was really great content. You know, as far as you know, you know, sport and society, and what's professional sports' role in broader society? It is it is a business. And I know everyone who'd be running each of these leagues would be working to figure out how can we maintain relevancy and how can we maintain some form of of revenue that will be a consideration so that we can, like, some of the teams won't be sunk, the owners won't be sunk, the, you know, the facilities will have enough money in place so that they can remain open. There is an element of distraction that we, you know, I think that we need to, you know, again to maintain, you know, mental, to maintain mental health, and it's a good, uh, good thing to look at. But I would, yeah, I think what what I've seen the professional leagues do, where they don't have live fans and they're playing and they're, you know, playing as they play in their restricted arena and you know, setting uh, limits around the athlete's behavior, you know, off court, off rink. I think, I think they're doing the best they can and they're, you know, they're soldiering on and they're making the best of a bad situation. I've, you know, I'm in support of what they're of, you know, of how the different leagues are are approaching it. I've, um, not that I've been following it in much detail, but I've, I definitely appreciate the resilience and the fact that they're holding, you know, NBA's holding playoffs, NHL's holding playoffs, and uh, there's something happening at least.
1: Well, and the lack of fans hasn't been as big of a deal as I thought it was going to be. Like, I've been watching games, and it's just like I'm watching, I'm there to watch the game, not the fans really. And they've done a really good job of making it feel like it's still intense in the players. They, some of them have even said it's actually easier to be focused on the game than, than being distracted by all the chaos around us. So it, 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 I don't think it was nearly as bad as I, as I assumed it was going to be. Um, so you just love the sport?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, in, in some ways, maybe they they are just playing for for the game rather than for the, the fans. Um, but at the same, you know, at the counterpoint, I, I just read today um, that the St. Louis Blues, a a huge portion of their team had COVID at some point leading up to the, the return to play. And, um, they ended up getting knocked out of the playoffs by a seemingly inferior Vancouver Canucks team. Um, but (laughs) careful Andrew, (laughs) but, but but like the, the general manager basically said it was a a good, uh, it was maybe a good excuse, but a, a lot of the guys were, were seriously affected, but there's pressure on the athletes to come back to play. And, um, Right. And, and I, I, I would question whether that's uh, that's really in the, the best interest of the players. But again, Adam, uh, as Adam said, it is a business first, um, and, and everything else kind of comes secondary. Um, Sarah, any anything to add in there?
3: I add like a big spanner into the, <laughs> into the <laughs> conversation. Yeah, I like I don't know. I'm just like I, I'm someone who, and and you can probably guess it. Like I have trouble with pro sports. And thinking about it because of how few opportunities Mm -hmm. there are for women, Um, and so like I actually find that quite difficult. um, And and how much money like that we as a society put into that um, in terms of what it means about our values, Um, and so there's part of me that's like can burn to the ground and we can start over. That's fine. I'm (laughs) good for that. Um, (laughs) But like I guess like the real questions I would have is like if it if if pro sports really did struggle um, like how much that really does actually affect our economy in real terms. Um, and I don't know. Um, that's just a question. And also like the entertainment piece, I think we've floated around a little bit too, like that there are, like, I recognize that there are people around me who like went and the hockey came back on were thrilled and and happy to sit at home at, in front of their television sets. And that's also meaningful. So like, I recognize there are a few factors, um, but, part of me thinks like if we have to start over with pro sports like okay let's do it and and also I've also seen um pro women having getting more opportunities sometimes in industries that are um, suffering a little bit because often the pro women's teams or the events are um, cheaper to host or are are like they're, they come by cheaper, right? Um, because that's just how it works. And so, mm. um, there's been more sponsorship opportunities, a little bit thrown to the women and things like that, which I've I've liked to see. Yeah. Oh, and I, The Tour de France is about to have a women's race. Oh, are they really? Mm-hmm. The week so, after the tour, they have a women's tour for one week.
1: I think I think that's such a such an important and beautiful point you bring up, Sarah. And I think it's so true, and a lot of people agree with you. And I think maybe it's a good good moment to announce. Um, that I think your new newest podcast coming out actually deals with that topic. Does it, does it not?
3: Oh yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's called unfazed. Um, and I've worked with two, I've worked with two women um, for a really long time who are diversity, equity, inclusion experts. Um, and I know them through triathlon, but they're both freaking brilliant. Um, mm. And they have such great things to say about inclusion around race uh, and gender as well, which is a big problem because folks who've, don't fit into the male and female categories struggle in sports too. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, they, I, yeah, so we, we had a turning point for other reasons um, where the world started to listen to some of those perspectives as well. Um, And we've now launched a new podcast today, just discussing, and they dive deep like issues on, we recorded, we actually recorded the second episode because the first episode is going to be recorded live um, next week. And um, yeah, yeah. And they, um, Yeah. And so they went, it was, it's called nice white triathletes. It's the first episode or the second episode. Yeah. They they literally like talked about race in a way that I've just never heard before. So um,
0: that's awesome. Okay.
1: we'll we'll put that in the show notes. Cool.
0: Uh, And there's been so much amazing stuff being spoken about here. And I am so grateful for all of you and and your uh, unique perspectives. This has been such a rich conversation maybe this will be the the final one that I kind of throw out there and it's one that I've been um, pretty excited to to bring up um, and it, it's it's about the relationship between uh, team versus individual that we often see playing out in athletics um, and now we're getting a reflection of that in society dealing with covid um, where some people are are not team players basically are are really thinking about themselves um whereas others uh are more about the collective and and in getting through this together and i just wanted to um put that idea forward and and see uh what perspectives you might have or what you've learned from from teammates or people that you've interacted with in athletics and and how that might um be reflected in in our culture today so Adam, I'll throw that uh, spicy meatball at you to start off.
3: Small question. That's
0: a
2: spicy (laughs) meatball. Well, the first thing we're we're talking about 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 team sports and and what's good for the team isn't necessarily good for the individual, and what's good for the individual isn't necessarily good for the team. And even you know, myself, my business got shut down. I've benefited from CERB. I've benefited from different social, uh, you know, forces that have uh, you know have come into play to you know to allow you know businesses to thrive in this uh, in this shutdown. So, you know, with with that support, there's also comes a certain responsibility to you know, uphold some of the norms that society is pushing forward. And it's, you know, it comes back to my background as a rower, everybody does it alone, but together. And you have to figure out how can I do this as best as I can alone, but do it in step with other people. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, you know, philosophically, I might not, I, I don't necessarily agree with all of the, you know, restrictions and lockdowns, you know, simply because of Um, you know my physicality and my mentality and thinking you know as an individual i think there is you know there's an element that of that we need to be exposed to these things and there's i have a fatalistic side of my philosophy where you know it's like drogo from rocky you know Mm -hmm. if he dies he dies.
1: And I love that <laughs> reference.
2: <laughs> and so there's and that he, part and of my brain. He did brain. die, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah, he does. Apollo does die. Yeah, spoiler <laughs> so alert there's, everybody. There's always this part of there's that part of my brain, and I know that it's it's not a popular opinion <laughs> and it's really easy to get, you know to, you know, to get into interesting and then then I'll see on the other side you see people overreacting and you know they're they're over consuming news media and uh, they're over restricting, you know, their lives and their mobility. So, you know, although myself personally, if I were to choose to live away, it would be far more open and interactive than would otherwise be dictated by you know the rules of society. I know that this is this is what society has dictated, and you know, I'm wired to be a team player, and so, you know, I will hold my opinions and I will walk with the team and I'll do what the team says. And that's uh, you know, and that was the way that we operated as a a rowing eight, you know, you would have uh, nine individuals, you'd have your coxswains, the eight rowers and the coach. So say 10 individuals in a room and you decide that at a certain point in the race, you're going to put on it on an attack. And you, you believe that, you know, for that boat to do its best, you have to put, put in a, a focus push at the five hundred meter mark, but the rest of the team decides that it's going to be at the you know twelve uh, twelve fifty mark. And even though you disagree with what's happening, you say, you know what, I disagree and I've you know I'm convicted to do something in a different manner, yet I I will supplicate myself to the team and I will do as the team dictates and i'll do everything i possibly can do to support the team even though my conscience dictates otherwise and so i'd say from a you know from what i bring into you know the current environment from you know, a team place is—is is that I can hold a different opinion and have different feelings and urges inside, yet still go along with the team and still feel like I'm following my conscience because, you know, I do understand you know the needs of the team and the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. For
0: sure, love it, Simon. Uh, I'm curious to hear your perspective on this same topic.
4: Along the same lines as, as Adam. Uh, the thinking of it being about what's good for the team the team for many of us is our family what keeps our family safe i can have my own opinions on what i think should or should be shouldn't be restricted but but in fullness of time i don't want that to come back and find that i've jeopardized the well-being of my team of my family so I think taking that, that that perspective of what what do you choose to do that's going to be the good of good for your team, the people closest to you, over your own well-being. You know, you, what you want, it's what's going to be good for the, everyone else. How can you be the best version of you today for those around you? So Adam mentioned about you know being with your kids. If be if. Spending time with your family, and, which is incre- an incredible thing and is so valuable, that if that's the way of being the best version of you today, then that's the great thing to do. to spend time with your family and to keep them safe. It doesn't matter whether you think you should go and you know go and do some physical activity with hundreds of other people. Does that keep your family safe? Or can you be selfless and think about your team? And what you need to do for your team, okay? It, we don't know. It's always a best guess, okay? You, you're going to do the best you can today. Nobody's going to call you on the fact that, well, yeah, but if you, you know, different information comes along tomorrow. No, you did the best you can today. You've got to look at yourself in the mirror. You did the best with the information that you have, and were selfless and did the best for your team that's all anybody can ask yeah yeah it's awesome I stuff.
3: think if we if we see it even larger and think of like Canada as a team right we're pretty lucky right now because we had um, whatever you think of our leadership we had pretty good leaders we had good good reliable information coming to us um, we've been able to, manage the spread of covid better than almost anywhere else in the world and so we're really really lucky in that way and so i think in the fact that culturally we're able to do um like what adam was mentioning like align ourselves with with what's best for the team um that's something that we find i think on average easy to do as canadians and and Mm -hmm. you can see like other places where they don't have their team coach and captain aren't quite as mm. strong of, of character. What, what other
1: places are you talking about,
3: Sarah? I, I don't know. Just uh, yeah, if, if, if something yeah. springs to mind for well, someone, well,
0: you know, bring it up later. Uh, yeah. Uruguay, yeah. Uruguay <laughs> yeah. <definitely. laughs> yeah, those Uruguayans. Um, but but it, I agree, Sarah. The the team, the the coach um, or captain or whatever. But also, I mean, it wouldn't. It's the individual um, perspective or the the difference in culture about individualism in the states like that's got to be a factor as well you can't just dump it all on trump and so is there anything in that in, in terms of the the cultural approach and mindset
3: yeah i think i don't know how canadian culture came to be what it is i think our little strain of socialism that that we have that's um different than the u.s has has kept us safe in a lot of ways um, so that's been, that's been super helpful, but you're right. Yeah. There's definitely like huge cultural pieces that have affected our ability as a team to stay focused. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. John,
1: you know, I, I t- to be fully honest, guys, I'm still thinking about Adam's Rocky analogy. Cause I love, I love Rocky. And, and I think it's important to, to just say on the COVID thing, even though COVID killed Apollo Creed, um, Rocky killed COVID later on in the movie, <laughs> and and that's the hope we can all have moving forward. <laughs> Is that how that went down? <laughs> absolutely. Is that what you're trying to say, Adam? If not, then go just yeah. go rent Rocky Four. You know, watch Rocky it. Rocky Four. It was, uh,
2: <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. He's the classic.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, that uh, seems like a good note. good note to end on there is an analogy that that maybe makes sense to one or two of us in the conversation um, which is like
1: <laughs> sto- story of my life honestly yeah for
0: sure <laughs> yeah well i i just want to um i just want to thank you all for for doing this this is uh, it's the first time we've had five in a in the room um I, it went uh, amazingly well there was a, a lot of really interesting thought um and messages going out there and and um and a, a great example of dialogue that not everyone's agreeing on all these subjects but we could still have a, a really robust conversation and get along and and disagree yet um respect one another which i think is another thing that uh we need more of in our culture so um thank you very much i i'm excited to keep in contact with with each of you um we appreciate you very much and, and thanks for doing this today
3: yeah, thanks you guys awesome.
4: thanks for the time
0: and that's the episode thanks for listening everybody if you'd like to continue the conversation you
1: can find us at all the usual places opticalcoursepodcast.com we're very active on social media instagram and facebook at obstacle course Podcast. and speaking of facebook we have a great new growing community called the obstacle course community that you can join dialogue with andrew and i and your fellow listeners about the previous week's episode and any obstacles you're dealing with
0: and we do appreciate reviews whether it's on itunes google facebook whatever it helps people find the podcast and it's
1: nothing to do with our fragile egos well uh, you know we just like to hear back from great people just like yourselves
0: thanks for listening everybody keep pushing through those obstacles